from worlds beyond to write at the gaming table. These are all my fantasy children. Welcome all to all my fantasy children. My name is Aaron Catano Saez. And my name is Jeff Stormer. And this is All My Fantasy Children. It's a tabletop-inspired, world-building, storytelling, and character creation podcast where each week we take your incredible listener-submitted prompts and spin it into an original fantasy concept using it to develop a fantasy world one story at a time, except not today because we are celebrating our seventh podcast birthday! Seven years. Seven years we have been making this show. That is... So wild to me. It's it's not. It doesn't feel like it's been a long time, in my opinion. It does not feel like it's been seven years. No, I'll say that. Definitely not. Especially because last year we barely made any episodes. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> but but it really doesn't feel like it's been seven. I'm not like tired of it. I'm not worn out. I'm constantly honestly excited to see like new stuff that we can do. Yeah. You know, that's what gets me excited. Wow. I'm realizing that like um, we recorded with Taylor for the episode about the, I think the the God that lives in the terrarium. That was like a year ago. (laughs) We've made like no episodes. Anyway, I don't care. Um, But I'm just excited. This show still makes me so fucking happy. And I'm excited. It's a good show. It's It's a a good good show. show. And I'm excited to celebrate Samuel Gard's birthday. What did you get Samuel this year? Yeah, he's seven years old now, so like he's, <laughs> he's in like a school. Kid. Yeah, he's in second grade. I don't know. What do you get? At, what do you get? Like, what do like, chill? Like, I guess comic books. Is that a comic book yeah, age? I mean, That's you an can age when you, you read can, a comic you, book, you, right? You, you could introduce Samuel to the joy of comics if you wanted. That is that is uh, my thing. That feels that feels appropriate. How would you bring Samuel into comics world? Like, what would you what would you introduce him to? Like you've got to, it's you've got to tailor it to the person in their interests, and Samuel Gord is 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 like big into, uh, like big into like stories about con artists. So like I feel like there's some very good kind of uh, con artist adjacent stories that I might pull on. Like I feel like I feel like he would I feel like he would he would really latch on to like a Booster Gold type thing. It's a little silly. It's a little bit uh. Maybe, maybe even, maybe even sort of a, you know, not quite yet, but like give it a couple years. I feel like he's really going to latch on to like a John Constantine horror comic. I think that might be a thing that I think he was really going to really going to click to as somebody that like stories about defying the defying forces bigger than yourself. Yeah. Because that is kind of his thing. His whole life. I feel like he would, he would latch on to that kind of a thing. I I dig that. He would, I feel like too. He would unfortunately see himself as kind of like a Bruce Wayne type yeah. character, you know, like he really is like, that's like me. Like, I'm the son of a billionaire and I am using my power for good. And they're like, no, maybe when you're like much later, right now you're seven. By the time you're like 21, you are a shithead. Then you die shortly after. He, wait, what is it? You die, you live long enough to see yourself become the villain? Yes. It was actually Samuel Gord. Who who coined that phrase? 
But this is true. I got Samuel Gord. I did the wrong thing where I got Samuel um, something that's like for someone way younger. So, <laughs> so Samuel, notoriously, I get him bad gifts. So Samuel Gord's seven years old. He's like, oh my God, Uncle Aaron, I guess. What did you get me for my birthday? And I'm like, oh, I got you like a play school, like rescue heroes kit for of like firefighters. And he's like, that's for babies. I'm like, yeah, you're four, right? It's like, I'm seven, Aaron. You've been making this show for seven years. And I have that bad feeling where I'm like, oh, I don't know anything about you. I've moved on to so many other fantasy children. <laughs> but I'm excited to dive into our usual question asking. Um, yeah. Our listeners have been incredible enough to send us a plethora of questions this year. And I'm ready to dive in. Is there anyone we have in front of us in our fancy dancy Google Doc that... Jump out to you to warm us up. Let me see here. I'm thinking well, I'm thinking a good behind the scenes question to kind of kick things off to kind yeah. of get into it because there's some some world building -y ones that I think we're going to want to save for a little bit. Here's a good one. Oculi asks, um, in the past year, what episode do you feel was an important pinnacle in all my fantasy children? Hmm. Wow. An important pinnacle. Like, what do you think was uh, important that came up in the world of the podcast in the last year? I'm. Busting out my episode list, as I always do. Um, always do. Whew, an important one. We recorded this last year in September. <laughs> There's like, like I no episodes. The, I at, well, I look at the list and I was like, I'm just going to go from the last birthday episode. And I was like, nope, we released that one like three months late. Um, all right. I've got the list here. What do I think? Oh, like, what I know mine. Important? I know mine. Mine is 182 The Gem River, the one right after the birthday spectacular. Um, sure. Because we played a game that Exquisite Biome by Caro is one of my new favorite games. It is so the spirit of AMFC that one, it made me write a short game that I get to premiere at Big Bad. But uh, it is something for me that I started thinking about when we talked about, especially the demon episode that we just released last time of monsters and their relationship and nature and creatures. For me, I know we've been slow last year, but ramping up, I love getting to the bottom now of thinking about zones more, fantasy zones and regions more as like ecosystems and the creatures that are there and how monsters, I have a question for you, Jeff. Are monsters a natural part of the ecosystem in fantasy or, or do they not belong? I see them as a natural. I. Jeff, I'm gonna like. I think it's the Jeff Stormer answer. I yeah, think it's, it's a both. little bit of both. Yeah. It's the it's you know like because I think about it a lot in the terms of like you know what 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 makes something a monster right? Yeah. And I think yeah. that there's a lot of you look like you look at folklore, you look at you look at history, you look at things. A lot of that is like, oh shit, it's a Komodo dragon, or oh shit, it's a whale. Yeah. Or also, but also it's, you know, uh, a giant ball of trash that threatens uh, the planet. Like, yes. Yeah, completely. There is there like, and I think that's kind of like what I, what I, what I, I think a lot about is like balancing those two very uh, discrete things that have been labeled as monsters and sort of pulling on those, those threads of, you know, fantastical things that are part of the world and fantastical things that are not is a very interesting area that we've played a lot, a lot, a lot with. And I, I really enjoy it. And that's something I want to move toward more when we talk about um, nature, because nature does come up a lot. And I love the idea of discovering what belongs and what doesn't, how kind of you can flip that trope 
of what like what a monster is, right? And things where it's like you like they say it all the time. This cave has been infested by beholders, for example. You know, trade copyright Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> um, but that idea of they've been invaded, I was like, okay, are you describing an invasive species, or does a beholder not belong like in your universe? You know, mm-hmm. has it been taken over in that way, or is it just like you know? A family of fucking vicious bugs have taken over a log. You have to decide as like a world builder, in my opinion, what you do with that. And you and I are still figuring. I think it's a case by case basis in fantasy. And that's what I think is dope. That sometimes it is like, yo, that Tarasque does not belong here. And sometimes it's like, yeah, that worm, that giant lizard dragon type being totally moved into the bar across the street and is sitting on all the liquor like a horde. And that is also bad. Mm -hmm. And that I feel like, yeah, that. But anyway, that episode, the Gem River has really got my head spinning in terms of worlds and in terms of what we want to do with the show in that regard, in terms of nature, because nature is a constant theme in our episodes. I mean, my answer is predictable, I think. I think my answer is predictable because it it, it was recent. It was very big. It was an elaborate thing that took me a week of, like, real-world time to, to do. But, like, Aaron, running an ARG is really fucking fun. <laughs> yeah, I am still in awe that you did that. Um, And, yeah, no, I can imagine that has some serious uh, feels for you in terms of, like, it showed you what you can accomplish with this war. One, it just showed you, Jeff, what your fucking mind and brilliance can like whip up because it is like, I don't know if you know this. It's fucking wild, Jeff. That ARG is fucking wild. It's so impressive. It was so bananaramas. And if you're joining us way later, we ran an ARG to announce that we're joining the Moonshot Podcast Network. Jeff wrote the wildest, most intricate, yet subtle, yet easy to solve, but approachable, I mean. Approachable like that kind of ease to solve, but so complex and cool with hints involving the show and the lore. And it's it defied, honestly, I did not know you could do that. I didn't know anybody could fucking do that. I thought that that would take something like that legit. That's something like a team of people in a corporate setting would be able to build for like a stupid announcement for a, you know, a corn flavored soda, for example. (laughs) That is honestly the level of depth that that thing has. It's bananas, Jeff. But anyway, you say that as though we've been seeding an ARG about corn flavored soda for years that no one has picked up on. I know that no one. I mean, no one's deduced it. No one's figured out our our corn secrets. We've dropped like three trailheads and no one has run down the the corn soda ARG. (laughs) I want you to please talk to me about the ARG and the process behind it, um, because that's and and, and also I want to address Kit's question from our discord. Mm -hmm. Firstly, I'd like to just. To say for probably the hundredth time, the ARG you put together to announce the new network change was absolutely magical and probably the most fun I've had so far this year. Has doing something so experimental inspired you to put together more multimedia experiences like that in the future? Also related to the ARG, what was it like interacting with junior wizards while in character? If I'm remembering right, that's the first time for this podcast. But please tell me. I believe me- it is the first time that we've oh, yeah. done that beyond like a meme or two. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, uh, the background, I'll kind of give the whole behind the scenes because it's fun and I, I think it's neat. This ARG was the equivalent of my like vacation novel, for lack of a better way. To, you know, like the idea of like, I'm going to go on vacation and come back and I wrote a novel. I wrote I <laughs> vacation and wrote an ARG. Um, I, 
specifically like we went on a vacation jen and i uh and i was like i'm not gonna work like i'm i <laughs> i like logged off of all the social media i like i didn't really i preset like a podcaster release so like all of the work was off and then like as i was going like as we were on vacation and i was relaxed i was thinking about the fact that we were getting ready to announce the podcast network move and I was like, it would be so fun to just do a, a big, weird ARG announcement for that. And yeah. then I kind of just started jotting down notes. And by the time I touched back down in Philly, I was like, OK, so I've got a structure. I will say I could not have done this. Al- like, I, like, I could not have done this alone. Like, Aaron, you helped tremendously. A lot of the Moonshot Network gave, yeah. like, phenomenal puzzle descriptions or, or suggestions or, like, pointed things out that kind of, like, built uh built the like helped build parts of the puzzles like it was a really a, a large group effort yeah but um like i just kind of wrote down the skeleton of this thing and i was like i i remember I was distinctly like sending air and snippets like is this cool like if i if i take the story in this direction like is that cool like is that does that mess with like the stories that we've told or that we're telling and like we just slowly like built this out and like developed it yeah and i and am then, over here like Keep in mind, listener, Jeff is sending me like, so what if I hid some text in this audio, literally in like the waveform? I'm like, oh, no, I don't think that's bad. I think that's the sickest shit I've ever well, seen. Well, and like, I, I distinctly remember the thing I distinctly remember, and this is peeling back the curtain a little bit. One of the first questions that I asked you as I started like writing this down, I was like, oh, it would be really sick. I was like writing this down. And the first thing I thought was like, is it too fucked up if I have Arthur like conjure the unseen eye? I was like, is that too far? And we were like, no, let's like, let's make that sort of the crux of the thing. And then everything kind of worked around it from there. Yeah. But like just throwing out like lore ideas and puzzles, it was so much fun to just like build this thing. Yeah. Um, And then just getting to run it, like to Kit's question about like interacting with people in character, like originally my plan was to like drop the thing and then just like see what happened like see if people naturally got to the end of it and then i quickly realized it was much more fun for me to kind of like be present and like seeding things and kind of helping people helping the, the thing move along yeah like that was really like that it was an extra piece of joy to me in terms of like i was like i want this to be special and for me part of that is being there to kind of like drop in a hint if i feel like that people if i feel like the players are getting like way down a rabbit hole like it was really fun and like the 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 to kit's question like the challenge of doing things like that in character was unexpectedly challenging in some ways like there were definitely moments where i realized i had to inter- interact with things in a specific way when i had not planned to it was yeah. very challenging yeah, it's it was cool to see you fall into this cool role of like uh ARG facilitator because our listeners, the people who played the ARG and especially in the Discord, oh my god, first of all, you are all uncomfortably good at ARGs. Jeff, these things were solved pretty fast. Uh there so what's funny is that there were there were puzzles that I was certain would be figured out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Like there were the like uh, when as I was writing it, I was kind of writing it with like, all right, this one is going to be quick, so I'm going to make this one extra challenging to kind of like pull 
you know, slow it. You're kind, you're yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. writing it to to time it out in specific ways. Because you be wanted like, it to last all the way to the announcement date. <laughs> so, like, I was kind of, like, pulling on threads and being like, I think if we put this one here, it's going to be a little bit easier. This one kind of is more is more lore dependent. I tried to strike a real balance of, like, half of the answers being traditional kind of ARG puzzles and half of them specifically being lore questions. So like, cause I, cause in my head, I was like, I want to give people who are just ARG enthusiasts, like a chance to just solve a puzzle. But I also very specifically want there to be points where you either have to go and listen to, to show stuff or have somebody who knows the show really well go like, oh, I got this. I understand what this reference is. Yeah. And they did. It was so amazing. Cause that, that was the, the thing that we didn't, I didn't stress about it, but I was like, God, I hope people play. I hope people get it. I hope people interact. And I hope, oh my God, expectations exceeded. It was amazing. And I just realized why we haven't really released that many episodes. It's because of this. We were like announcing the new network and things like yeah. that. We decided that kind of stuff. So I realized why we pumped the brakes and focused on like real life stuff. It's been we were, we were making we were making changes on the back end. And this was kind of our way of like releasing a big thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like the thing that was funny as we were running was that. I watched, I can, I can point to at least two puzzles where I watched what I expected unfurl in opposite order, like twice in a row. There was at least one puzzle where I was like, they'll, they'll, once they've, once they've got this clue, they'll piece it together pretty quickly. Like they, like this is a, like, I was like, I, in my head, I was like, this is a pretty natural thing for them to arrive at. And then once they arrive here, they'll see the clue and they'll move to the next thing. And then that thing, I was like, okay, it's been two days. I, this, is, this is unexpected. <laughs> it's time to nudge. The one clue that I remember, and this is all, this is a shout out to Kit, who was an amazing puzzle solver through this entire ARG, was I was like, I've got a couple days. I've released the audio with the funky, like I, I, I had oh, a program yeah. that implanted an image onto the waveform. I was like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm logging off for the night. I'm good. I got probably a day or two before someone pieces this together. And within five minutes, it was like episode published. Huh? That's a funky, that's a funky thing. I wonder if that's a waveform with a message on it. Sure is. Here's the puzzle clue. And I was like, fuck. All right. Yeah. Well played. Well played. <laughs> there were a lot of things that were dropped about this ARG that I was like, hey, that'll at least take people two to three days. What? It's Because there was one, you said it was the oh fuck or oh shit message in the Discord that someone posted where it was like a couple minutes after you dropped something, there was a message in the Discord that just said, oh shit. And I was like, no way. How are these people so good? It was good? incredible. It, they, it was like, amazing. It was the most satisfying thing to watch. We could like, go on for like, like hours about how amazing that experience was. So that was probably, that was my my milestone. And to the other half of the question, like what, like more multimedia experiences, like there's definitely, definitely the takeaway that I had from that is that there are, is that like a big thing I want to focus on is like, what else can we do in the AMFC space, like yeah. like keeping the core of the show, like our, our 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 basic episodes the same. Like, what is a thing that we can do to kind of like build or like like what like what does it look like if we take AMFC and we put it in a different context? Yes, exactly. And like, what what other things can our fun format and our fun world and our like I, 
it's something that we know we we're, we're once again we struggle to be subtle a lot we interact with listeners a lot we are like very approachable creators with the discord and so i started thinking about like what are other ways that we can receive feedback or I liked the interaction of back and forth with puzzles. I liked listeners being able to kind of not control the narrative, but move it along. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what else can that do? And it gave me all these ideas. It has been, I, I changed my answer. Caro, your game is awesome. That episode slapped ass, but joining the moonshot network and doing this. I mean, that's the biggest thing from the year. I think is that that was the most like pivotal thing. And this ARG for me last year was busy. In like a mm-hmm. fun and great way is, you know, lots of cool, amazing stuff happened, but time and energy for AMFC kind of fell away for a while. But the ARG kickstarted my like joy and passion for this project in a way that had not happened in seven years. And seeing the listener, like, I don't know if you're listening to this and you've never had a project before where you have people listen to it and interact with you. It is deeply the most satisfying experience to have people listen to your thing, care about it enough to really listen and internalize it, have it affect them and share that feeling with you, especially in this way where it's like, yeah, of course I like there are so many people in the discord who've been in there for years listening to the show and talking to us. It is such a feeling that brings me joy to see those names and see those people pop up. And even if it's like, hey, I've been here in a while, just wanted to wish y'all well. You're like, oh my God. And seeing that community pop up and be like, holy shit, ARG, congratulations on joining the network. We are here. We're here to play this game. It was a magical experience that has reignited my joy for, like you said, finding new ways to see where this show can, places this show can go. Yeah, and like I like for me, like it was a really big question of like what is AM what is what is an AMFC ARG look yeah. like, right? And it's I've been thinking a lot, and so like it's gotten a lot to you know we'll we'll talk we'll talk about we'll talk about stuff in a little bit, but like it's got it's raised a lot of questions of like what is what does this look like? What does AMFC in this format look like, right? Like what is yeah. you know like how if we take the if we take the show and we move it into this other format. You know, obviously the the main show will stay would stay the same, but like, what does that look like if we if we do something completely different in this space? And like, how does that interact with the stuff that's already there and the stuff that we're doing as sort of the standard show? Like, how do these things interact with one another? Is a question that I really want to like explore more. I am obsessed. Let's see what's the next question that I want to ask. Aaron, um, Eric asks, what what does your keyblade look like? I was going to ask you the same fucking thing. My Keyblade, you might think it has like fucking jack-o'-lanterns on it and stuff. And like it might, but um, no, it's not. Mine would be much more Kingdom Hearts 2 inspired, meaning when Final Fantasy was still a part of the franchise. Right now, I'm really feeling 16's imagery. So I would have a Phoenix Feather as my keychain and it would turn into, I like when Keyblades are basically a sword and then there's like a decoration around it. So it would be a uh, Phoenix, fiery Phoenix feathers swirling around a sword and the keychain is a Phoenix feather. Hmm. It's my short answer for this one. Mine is an elaborate Keyblade shaped microphone. Oh, sorry. That took me a second to process how banging that would be. Wait, a key. So a Keyblade, like a microphone, the Keyblade looks like a mic. So like, yeah, like I'm imagining kind of like, you know, like the, the, like, I guess it would be, you have the handle and then like it goes up 
And then like where the key parts are would be like microphones that you could then talk into and like conjure magic that way. That's probably my answer. What's the keychain look like? Because that's what transforms the kingdom key. Uh, the keychain itself is probably like a chain of different sizes of dice. Like that feels like a marrying of the two worlds that I that I exist in. Fuck. Okay, that slaps. That is very good. And I'm I fucking love that. Really quick, just Dan, you've probably answered this somewhere and some when, but how did you guys get into games? How'd you start gaming together? I will give this the fastest answer. Jeff and I went to high school together. We did not play games, but we were friends and hung out. Uh, in college, Jeff and a, a book, uh, mutual friends invited me to play Dungeons and Dragons. Jeff was the GM. Ever since then, I have had a passion for tabletop games and imagination math. <sighs> It's great. It was a great experience. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I loved it a lot. Yeah, it's good. I, I would one day like to revisit that feeling. The, the I, I I distinctly remember the first time that we played uh, games together. We we showed up at our friend's house. Uh, like collectively, it was a lot of like, hey, we got a we got a new player. I don't know what the vibe is here, and we were all like, cool. Can we all acknowledge how much this rules? Like, there's that there was this weirdness yeah. of like. Of like, we all agree that this is like the coolest thing in the world, yeah. right? And, yeah. Like, and just waiting for the moment to just fully unleash it was very, and like, I'm glad that we got to that point. 100%. Ugh, I love it. Um, Rossum asks, can we get an illustrated compendium world book if you pay for it? No, I'm joking. But that is a goal that I'd love to have one day when... Uh, tell your if Rossum, if you tell every single human being you know about the joy of AMFC, one day we might get the money to commission that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I will uh, build on that with a question from Gazer. If you had to make a tour book for fantasy, what would it focus Ugh. on? Um, this is something that I've thought about. I think about a lot because I think about um, friend of the show and former guest Jade Dragon had a really great essay about like voice in games and like narrator voice in games. Yeah. And like it's that's something that I think about a lot. And I feel like I would not want a theoretical book or world book tour book, lore book, et cetera, to have like I think truly if we were to do that, I would want it to. Not have the feel of like an anthropological science book or like a like definitive textbook, but much more of in the past when we've done like lore dump things, we've styled it around Rose's Guide. And I think that's kind of the direction I would want it to go in is like somebody giving you like cool travel tips for yeah, this like world. In world. It would be in world. Is it would how have I to be, like to it would have to it. be like an in-world travelogue with the caveat that like some stuff might be wrong. And that might also be the explanation for like if we were to put it to paper and then change it an episode later, it's like, well, yeah. they got a thing wrong. Yeah. It'd be it's it's it works with our world. Luckily, we've thought of this contingency many times with in terms of retconning and stuff and just how our world works, that it would have to be. Like you said, like a Rose's Guide, an into a game, some some hiker is traveling the world and documenting it, and this is what they see. Because I love where uh, the idea of a world guide could be wrong because of human error. Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, they saw it as this and, you know, kind of like very Don Quixote. Yeah. Where it's like, I saw giants. They're just fucking windmills. But, you know, that kind of energy. So, yes, that is something I, I definitely agree with. If we were to ever do that, it would 100% be in world, not like we're not God going, and then the dwarves are this. That If you want that, I'm like, that's the show. 
where we make big like we're God decisions. Yeah. You know, but a book, a guide would have to be very because the show also has a weird touch of mystery. The more I re-listen where mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot that's like un- left unsaid and left to be uncovered. And that leads to this in-world thing of like, I think this is how the machine God works. No one knows for sure. But if you listen to the show, you do. So like yeah. that's the fun of the that's the fun. I think that's the fun of AMFC's mysteries is like, you know, if you listen, but also there's stuff that, you know, people in the world will never know. Aaron King and Commoner asks, if you wanted to be a mayor in fantasy, what competition would you seek out to guarantee your victory? Oh, my God. Um, The competition that I'd want. It's probably something like it's not something I could guarantee I would win because I want to be the kind of mayor who like no one saw coming and I deserve it. Not because I was like the star blitzball player. So I won the blitzball competition. I want it to be like. You know, the watermelon eating competition determines it. And out of nowhere, he comes there and now he's the mayor. Not like, I've been a watermelon farmer all my life. Like, no, none of that. But probably something like in some kind of eating competition for me. Hmm. What about you? Tetris. Oh, fuck. I fucking love Tetris. Tetris? Have you ever played Tetris Connect, the newer one? No, I've not played Tetris Connect. Tetris, d- don't. It's a dangerous well. Uh, the te- it's They added in an element of music, which is amazing. Ooh. And so the music is like techno and cool, and you play against a computer, and you like beat them, and you try to anyway, because eventually they're way too hard. But it's amazing. Uh, but Tetris is a good call. Tetris is I, a very good call. I like call. Tetris. I play a lot of Tetris, uh, and that's that's my that's my, like... Silly activity that I think I would have like uh, an outside chance of of taking home that mayor that mayor's oh, chair. Changing mind, then I would want to do fishing, even though I'm not the best at it. But like in my narrative, I catch like the biggest one, mm-hmm. and I'm mayor. So I'm gonna go with that. That feels good. Um, I have one. Uh, it's from Cameron Brown. Are there any bits of fantasy, characters, organizations, items, etc., that aren't connected in the lore, TM, but you think would be particularly fun if they were? Inspired by an episode I listened to recently, what are your fantasy favorite fantasy festivals? That's the follow-up. But what are things that are, are not connected but would be cool? They never have to be, but if they'd be cool if they were. That's a really good question. Um, I'm trying to think. I like a lot as a concept the royal houses of Moon Crescent. Mm-hmm. Like we, we get into like that they suck and, but they have like deep dark secrets and they have knights who are detectives and dusk sea breeze. I want the, the how, oh, I want that to be, I, I would think it would be neat. It's not, and it never will be. I don't even know if we could draw this comparison or this like connection. The royal houses are somehow connected to the circus of misery. Mm. And like some deep, dark, you know, court jester from the the house of this became the circus of misery and, you know, that kind of political intrigue. And I don't know. I think that's like a weird out there one that I think would be a cool connection. I think there's probably some kind of connection that I just can't envision between uh Comic books in the world of fantasy being portals to demon dimensions. Yeah. And also at least one soda pop also being a portal to a demon dimension. Oh, yes. Oh, there's probably something there, right? Like that feels like there's something there to pull on, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, I think there's a lot of mileage for us and uh, demons 
to be honest. Like, we've been digging a lot in there. There's a lot that we can do in terms of... No, I just won't even talk about it. I'll save that. I'll save that. But it's a juicy topic that we've been like, we've we've thrown around. We added a lot of details about them in the bonfire episode. But that and the nightmare dimension, I think there's a lot of space with the comic books, the nightmare dimension and demons to draw a nice connection. This demons in general in our world fucking slap. Like mm-hmm. the darkness and shadow shit is just so fucking good. Um, hmm. Fantasy festivals. Yeah. What is your favorite fantasy? Fa- I like the Mockingbird Festival. That one was pretty fucking cool. Um, the farm fair in Pure Ether Guild is always going to have a special place in my heart. I'm a big fan of the uh, festival in the City of Truth that is jack-o'-lantern themed. Are you making one up right now? No, like we have an episode where we talk about like pumpkin festivals. Oh, Whisper Gourds. Whisper Gourds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. an episode oh, yeah. where we talk about like uh, this this pumpkin festival that spreads across Pure Guild slash Truth. That is like just and we talk about all the different ways that this like festival is celebrated. And that episode is one of my favorites. I I will have to agree with you completely. There's a lot that we've discussed about jack-o'-lanterns lately. um, And I put that in air quotes that makes me very happy. There's one that's about like, you know, people put faces on them of like people who they've lost and want them to come back. Whisper gourds. It's like you tell them a secret. It's like this weird demonic Halloween ass tradition. The pumpkin's eye, you know, putting them on your head and gazing into the demon space. Like it's just so fucking good that I, I I'm with you. That Purethra Guild's relationship with pumpkins and jack o' lanterns is probably my number one. Just because it's it makes me think of Big Sam and like how the show started and things like that. And also, it just fucking bangs. Oh, also, a uh, follow-up question from Cameron Brown. If you have a favorite real-world festivals, I would love to hear about those as well. Personal favorite from my time in college is hearing from a friend about their local Mule Day. Yeah, would you have a real-world festival that you love? There's a lot of tiny little, like, festivals and things in Philadelphia that there I are. really, that are, like, really deep, near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Um, probably, if I'm trying, I'm thinking this through of, like, something I look forward to every year. Probably one of the most prominent is um, the South Street Festival in early May. It always lines up with Free Comic Book Day. You get a bunch of people out like it's a magical whole, time, like shops, like shops do outdoor things. You know what my as I talk through this, you know what my actual uh, one that I actually love a lot is What's uh, that? The, uh, um, in West Philly, a couple times a year, they do a dollar stroll where all the vendors come out and they give little dollar sized like morsels. Oh, like they'll do like all the restaurants will come out with like with like a one dollar version of the thing that they make. That's cute. That's cute as fuck. So like the cheese, like the cheesesteak shop will be like where we will we'll cut up. We'll make a bunch of cheesesteaks. We'll cut them up and you can have like a little like finger sized cheesesteak for a dollar. I and love like, that. A place would be like a single samosa is a dollar or like a single uh, taquito is like a dollar. And you just go and you get like a spring. So you 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 grab like 10, 15, 20 bucks. You just grab a bunch of things uh, and like you just hit a bunch of like tiny little uh, like shops. You get introduced to some new places in the neighborhood. Usually we get like um, there's a there's a theater on the block that also does like screen um not screening tickets what's the term it's not rehearsal it's the like a pre-screening of a play mm-hmm. like a preview 
preview that's the word they'll do preview tickets for a dollar so you grab like a Holy book of preview shit. tickets for like jen and i'll grab a book of preview tickets for like eight bucks and just like have it for their whole season and be like okay like what are the like what are they showing and then if we don't end up using them it was a dollar love that's that. great that's so cute um i there's a there's not a lot in south like where we're from in south jersey oh but I have mine now because I went last year for the first time. The Chatsworth Cranberry Festival in Chatsworth, oh, New Jersey, we some, baby. We love Cranberry Fest. Fuck. That was such a deeply satisfying experience because it was a Pine Barrens Cranberry Festival, y'all. Also, Jeff, I had an idea today. I, I have a lot of like South Jersey merch that I wear that's like, um, you know, uh, the train wreck distillery, you know. I want to, if we name businesses, I want them to be local in fantasy. I want them to be local South Jersey places so that if we wear their merch, we're at, it's for the show as well. And it also incentivizes people to visit it and get mm. their merch as well. Mm. So I kind of wanted to be like, like Iron Hill Brewery is named after, I mean, Iron Hill, the city is named after Iron Hill Brewery, but like, you know, Trainwreck Distillery is in Mount Holly. I recently got a t-shirt from another distillery, like Spellbound Brewing Company is the most perfect fantasy name. And I was like, we have to put that in the show. I want to put like businesses that we like where we live and things like that. I want to add them into the show whenever we need the name of like a business or a town so that people can go and get it and feel like they have AMFC merch because it's of fantasy places and they'll take a trip to the local biz. I got distracted looking at Spellbound beers. I was like, wait oh, a minute, yeah. I, I had to like think through. I was like, if I've had anything, I think I might have. I'd have to look it. Might have to look it up, but I'm pretty sure. Um, it's it's so look up listeners. Spellbound Brewing Company. Uh, their logo is very fantasy, and it's called fucking Spellbound. So I want that. I want that kind of vibe in the show now, where it's like you know we we also bring in. There's always an element of like where we live, either in Philly or South Jersey, in. The show, even in like naming of towns and stuff like that, because I do smirk every time I think of Iron Hill, mm-hmm. knowing that it's like a Philly, New Jersey brewing company. Um, what do you have any that you are th- seeing? Um, one that I'll get into uh, briefly. Got a question here from Kit that's kind of broad, but how did you both figure out the kind of creative works you want to make? Did wow. you always hope you'd end up making a podcast or is there a point along the way you thought about switching to creating something different? Um, the answer that I always give to this is when you listen to the podcast, the thing that you're not hearing is the comic book news podcast that I have scrubbed from the internet is, uh, the web, the comic book scripts that I have buried in my office. The, I mean, criminy, like what else? Like, like there's, there's a lot of the, the mute, the, 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 the music that I made in college that I've scrubbed off of the internet. Like there's a lot of things that came before this before finding the thing that worked for me that like finally felt like it clicked with me yeah there's a lot of stuff and like my answer to this is always i tried a bunch of things i found the i tried a bunch of things until i found one that felt like right and natural and even now like making podcasts doesn't always feel right natural like it simply is, and you know, in five years, maybe I will be a professional wrestling commentator or something like that. Yeah. If you ended up where you thought you would end up, you are a rare, you're a fucking unicorn, you yeah. know, as a creative. It, it's it's a level of honesty that you, I know, have with yourself with if something's not making you happy or not really working in terms of fulfilling you creatively, you won't fucking do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and that's how I try to be as well. I did never in a million years would have intended on making a fucking podcast. To be completely honest, I, I wanted to do musical theater. I wanted to, as a kid, be an artist. I wanted to be a cartoonist. Now I do voiceover. God, I didn't see any of this shit in my purview, but I always knew in my heart of hearts, truly, and I mean this, that I wanted to make stories that impact people. I didn't know how I wanted to do it, but I wanted to give the feeling that things like Final Fantasy, that old school Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z gave me in terms of igniting my imagination, making me feel cool. That the term we use, like, wow, this this show has me fired up. You know what I mean? Where you could watch good ass anime or something. Yeah. That I always wanted to get make a story or do something that gives people that feeling. And it's why I, like with my audio extras in this show, try to ignite this sense of like wonder and mystery and, oh, you thought that was it? There's deeper world lore to this. Because that's what I like from games like Destiny and honestly, like Kingdom Hearts, where there's little tiny drips where you go, whoa, 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 what the fuck was that? Or like Elden Ring or Dark Souls, where it's this tiny little rabbit hole that you can fall down that if you're nerdy enough. That's my shit. So... I never knew what kind of creative work I wanted to do. Just wanted to make stuff that like impacts people in a good way and gets them feeling good and nerdy. Like, you know, when you just, God, this, when you say this is so much my shit, that's mm -hmm. all I ever want AMFC to be for people. Cause it's my shit. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I had no fucking idea. Um, I have one. This is from Gazer. What person slash being in fantasy would you like to interview slash do a talk show with the most and why? Great question. Yeah, right? Let me go to my list because there's a lot of like beings and shit. Um, Shia <laughs> LaBeouf. The fact that there's a fucking character named Shia LaBeouf and it's, it's a gigantic clown. I would want... Oh, God, what is his name? I think it's Budmo Jiggler. Is it Budmo Jiggler? Yeah, that's the talk show host. That's like our Carson, our clown Carson. I want I want to have with Bud Mo Jiggler after he has stopped being a TV show clown and started being somewhere between a thief and a, and a, and a political terrorist. Of course, I want to have the definitive like sit down podcast interview with with Bud Mo. I want to get it. I want to enter into the salt mines with Bud Mo Jiggler. That I is the like, name of the podcast is In the Salt Mines with Bud Mo Jiggler. I feel like I just want the two hour like we're just going to leave it all on the table and just unload every like piece of anger that we've got. Like I just want to unfurl. <laughs> that makes me very happy. That's fucking hilarious, Jeff. Would Beefo the giant steak be there? Oh, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> Beefo. Why is that in my head? I can't remember like people's names from fucking high school, but because Beefo clearly means so much more to me than them. Um, I would want, oh, I want to interview Callahan Whiskerman. Mm -hmm. I want to know about like, what was it like being a knight of dragon? What was it like being a cat? What was it like being a normal person when you weren't wearing the hat anymore? What's it like to be dead in a crevasse? <laughs> but like that kind of person, I want to sit down and interview and just chat about. Because there's cool things in the in the show that I really like, that there are some characters that know what we refer to as like the deeper truths and the mysteries and the higher power type shit that, or just like civilization stuff that unless you were there, you would not fucking know. And he is one of those people 
that I find to be just fat. Like, he's one of the early fucking humans in fantasy. I think that is sick as shit to get to the bottom of that. Like, I want to talk about what's it like to be, like, one of the first people? <laughs> what's yeah. it like to be a, just a just a dude? Like, you know, you you suddenly exist in this world. Like, was Callahan Whiskerman ever a baby? Or was he, like, just an adult man the whole time? I want to know that kind of stuff because Aaron does not know. Jeff, was Callahan Whiskerman ever a baby? I have to assume, right? Yeah. Like, I yeah, gotta but, assume. So when we said humans were made of beams of light, does that mean they beam down to fantasy as babies? Or is this one of the a wizard did it moments? I think this is a wizard did I'm it I'm kidding. Moment. It's totally a wizard. No matter what you were going to say, I was like, wizard did it. Nope. Don't want to figure it out. I don't care. I just know that two lesbians fucking and their magic powers made humans. Yep. Yep. That's canon, baby. Love this fucking podcast. I love this goddamn show. Um, uh, Merle, local friend in Crab asks, are you happy senior wizards? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Great. I was just thinking about it. I was like, God, I'm happy that I've ever fucking been. I'm, I'm feeling sick. great. I feel amazing. I'm looking at an iPad. I'm looking at an iPad in a booth. I'm sitting in a stool, which I didn't have even like a month ago, in my cool apartment office, talking about the show that I love with Jeff that we've been making for seven years. That's so Fucking cool. We're going to a convention together that we get to like, Jeff, we get to basically do AMFC fucking live with like guests. That's going to be great. Like, this could not be better. That I'm like, I I am, listeners, you've been listening. You've been hanging with us for a long time. It's been a time. It's been a road. How dope is this that we're still making the thing? Talking about Callahan motherfucking Whiskerman. This is the shit. I'm happy as a client. I meanwhile have unfortunate news for everyone. What? It, it, it is this brings clickbait? Me, is this clickbait? It brings me no joy to say what I'm about to say. Okay, this is clickbait. I have unfortunate. <laughs> I have an unfortunate uh, thing to share with you, Aaron, and with our listeners. Um, it is with great disappointment and and personal sadness, anger, rage that I am forced to share. That t- making small sustainable changes in your day to day routine has a noticeable impact on your on your on your well being on every single level. That is absolutely right. I makes me real mad that that's the case. Yeah, does it? Because <laughs> like, if it wasn't the case, then I could stop doing the little tiny sustainable changes. It's true. It's you're very. It's very true. Like. The fact that I'm feel like I I've been I I I have taken up you know I I'm doing a new like uh, I'm doing a new uh, yoga routine and I've been doing Ooh. journaling and things and like you know we've been I've been I've been doing like uh, like different things lately and I'm feeling a difference and I fucking hate that. Do you? <laughs> I because it means that it's working and I have to stick with it. Like there is no world in which I can like evaluate my how I'm feeling and be like, nope, not for me. Screw it. Scrapping it. So like I am overwhelming. I'm feeling I'm genuinely like at a moment where I'm feeling great. I'm feeling good about the creative work. I'm feeling good about the day job work. I am feeling good about you know, life and friends and 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 love and all of the good things. It's just I'm in a good moment. This is a good vibe. This is a good day. Yeah, the, I think the theme of last year with AMFC, even if we weren't really making it, is that's the point is like change. Where yeah. like we we see we saw what it was like to focus on other parts of our life and facets of our life that are very important and our work that aren't the pod 
you know, we still tweeted, we still posted in the chat, we still made episodes when we could, but I feel like because we had some time away, the show will be better as a result of it. And we were trying like new things and shit like that, you know? Like yeah. it's 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 a it's a thing that change is important, whether it be networks or routines or structure of the our last episode is like an hour and thirty minutes, and it's just, it's fucking great. But like yeah. it's okay for to have different things and add new shit. Yeah, that that I yes that. <laughs> um, Jeff, this is also from Gazer. Are there any characters or places in fantasy you want to revisit? To see how what? they've changed as the years go by and how they stay the same. What places do you feel have changed the most? What a good question. Yeah, what are some characters, concepts? We can add concepts in there are places that you want to revisit. Like a place where we were like, wow, that was a sick locale. I wonder if it's story, because sometimes we say, like, that story's done. But what are some things and concepts that were like, that's we're not done there? Yeah, I think so often about the long haul of the defeated. I was gonna say the long haul of the fucking defeated for Charlie. That episode... Oh my god, and Raven's fucking roost? Is the town underneath of it where the dead go? Come on. It's so good. We never make, like, we make death stuff, but never, like, afterlifey weird shit. That was like a ghost episode. Do you think there's more to it? It's great. I think, even if there's, I think even if it's just, like, Brent going, just popping our head in to check out that weird setting, I think there's cool shit there, and it's a cool thing to, it's a cool toy to keep in the toy box and play with. I agree completely. I always think about... Uh, lately, I've been thinking about um, people like adventurers visiting some of these towns and like what how a lot of them are absurdly good adventure module settings. And the long haul of the defeated is up there in terms of being like, yeah, it's a town where everybody's kind of suspicious and weird. Why? Oh, I don't know. They're fucking ghosts. And they've made it out of the long hall of the defeated, this castle. You have to cross this bridge to enter Raven's Roost, which is this town of the undead, not undead, but like spirits with un- with business that's left over. And I'm like, wow, could you imagine going to the tavern for fucking quests there? Ah! That's sick. Yeah, I will I have to agree with you. I got one. Also from Gazer, what do you feel is the most lovely surprise AMFC has given you over the years? And what unexpected joy do you want to highlight? Wow. Oh, what unexpected surprise it gave us. Unexpected joy do you want to highlight? What's the big, best surprise in an unexpected joy? Um, For me, I did not know when we started this show that I wanted to do voiceover. I had no fucking idea. I just knew I wanted to make a podcast. I wanted to. I, I had learned a little about it in grad school. And my mentor was like, you're a voiceover person. Don't do theater anymore. And I was like, shut up. That's a lie. But I bought a mic anyway because I was like curious. Obviously, you can't just like buy a mic, plug it in and go. So I had this thing. But anyway, um, AMFC taught me like audio editing and marketing and building a community and fostering a community and what it is to network and be a part of something like tabletop and tabletop podcasting and to genuinely care about that world and the community and the people who listen to it. So the joys that it gave me were literally my life direction leading me to be a voiceover person as I fell in love with like talking into a microphone and doing things like audio dramas honestly are what pushed me over there. So things like writing Celeste Silverna audio dramas, making the music for them, adding in sound effects, learning more about sound editing pushed me to be a, a voiceover person. And it's something that the thing that it, it, it matters about it, why it's AMFC is this is the project that I feel the most joy and appreciation for and the characters 
I love them so much and I love these stories because there's so much of myself and you and people we know and our hometown and places we love in them that it's, I feel like all of these characters are like the end of Evangelion, like clapping for me or like waving from afar. And I like thank them on my journey of being a voiceover person. That's like the the joy is like they helped me find a, a, a new career path and a new passion that had been like laying dormant. They, I feel like the the characters and the podcast helped like awaken that. So yeah, it's a big dramatic answer, but it's the truth. Mm. I would not mm-hmm. be doing what I'm doing without this show and without things like, you know, I always think of, I don't know if I ever said this on the microphone, Jeff saying gods were real once as being a narrative thing that he wants for the rest of the show has driven everything that I've added into the show in terms of like bigger picture, gods, mystery, deeper lore. Cause it started out as very silly, this show, like very, very dumb you know, goofy, one-shot, silly beans. But when you were like, gods were real once, and you said, like, Mysteria, where is she? And you went, no one knows. And I was like, oh my god, Jeff's creating fucking deep lore. And that ignited something deep in me. And it's it's just that kind of thing is, it's just been everything from that moment on has been this show in terms of what gets me excited about creativity and creating. Love that. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I feel like I've I've probably said this before uh, on here on the show and elsewhere, but like I get to sit down with my best friend for like uh, I was going to say a week, but like, you know, when we sit down, yeah, uh, yeah, I get to sit down with my best friend for an hour and like bullshit and like that's real nice. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, having like a, a very like codified reason to be like, hey, I'm going to check in with my best friend and like just see what's getting him excited this week like talk talk about food that we're enjoying you know play a game together yeah just like hang out for an hour like that's a pretty cool thing and like that was not a thing that i think like was on either of our radars like when we first started the show like it was very much a like oh we want to like do a thing and then i was like oh you know what it actually rules to just get to like sit down with somebody that i like a lot and like just bs for a while hang and like be creative you know like it's it's something where you said like you talk about food you ate and somehow weave that into a fantasy world is so cool and it's something that like you've said in the past to me where it's it's the show is so special because no one can replicate AMFC because we keep it so because it's personal. And because it's and because it's us. Like yeah. it is us having this experience every week, and that's what makes it special. Yeah. It's it's so deeply personal that it is it is uh uh you can't copy it. Nice try. Um, but still, it's just so magical. It's brought me a lot of joy. Likewise. Okay. This is from Gazer. If you could make AMFC a cake for its birthday, what flavor and theme would it have? <laughs> This also, there was also a question about like an ice cream flavor. And yeah. I feel like, I feel they, like it, it's kind of both like, yeah, it's gotta be pumpkin. It's gotta right? be like, pumpkin. It's gotta be pumpkin. Yep. Pumpkin and portion control might be the missing <laughs> pieces to make shield aid actually delicious. Portion control is like a concept or like. No, like, like, I like, like not using, I mean, portion oh. control is in not using five ounces of cardamom. cardamom. Yeah, of course. I think yeah, pumpkin. Well, I mean, canonically too, because like the joyous orb episode, we introduced it like pumpkins are like, it's literally like a, a, the concept of good and light incarnate. You would essentially be adding in like goodness into shield aid. So I'm imagining uh, like a pumpkin ice cream. Oh, 
a good amount of spice, like like some cardamom, some like 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 pumpkin spices, pumpkin pie spices, like cardamom or some, but some added like more like savory ones, like a cardamom, yeah, to kind of like deepen it and make it a little less sweet and cloying. Yes, maybe like a swirl of the like maybe like uh like blend that into the ice cream and then maybe a um if not necessarily like a red wine swirl but like you could do like a nice like uh like maybe even like a cranberry swirl ooh kind of give it like that pumpkin give it like give it a little bit of fruit to pair with the pumpkin i love that maybe like a maybe like a like if it's a pumpkin cake like if it's kind of a pumpkin pie like cake yeah you could do maybe a like a like um style like maybe like a red wine buttercream almost i know that's not like a thing but like that kind of aesthetic yeah i think it would be you it's like that that pumpkin-y cake and it's served with like a spiced mulled wine that's cardamom forward it's a red wine and cardamom because essentially shield aid is like shitty mulled wine it's like a a mulled wine where this it's a mulled wine with the sliders turned all the way up (laughs) It's a spice mold wine, but you your lid fell off when you poured the cardamom, and you oh, and you said fuck, fuck, fuck. I'm drinking it. <laughs> yeah. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. Oh man, I gotta serve this to like a couple hundred people. Fuck, 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 fuck. Yeah, serve it. It's called Shield Aid. Um, yes, that that is the flavor. Um, that feels good. That feels good. Oh, I have one from Bobcat Arts. Another question: Are there fantasy astronomers, and what are they working on as far as f- space exploration? I wanted to ask you this in the last episode about like, because we said the of uh, the the of uh, the philosopher, the demon, lives in space, not hmm. as a constellation, just as like a satellite. Do people care about outer space and fantasy? Is my question. The, the answer can be no. I I legitimately, Aaron, please leave this on so that we hold ourselves to. It. I want to put a fit in this because like. I love, uh, I love fantasy space travel so goddamn much. Okay. Like, it is truly one of those things that, like, we've never quite got, we've done, like, sci-fi episodes in, like, galaxies far away from fantasy, but, like- Yeah, like, Orcus crash-landed, the Orcus, um, flotilla crash-landed in fantasy, but we never got to, like, the travel We've never done, like, fantasy space travel, like- no. Like, I have a deep abiding love for, like, fantasy-ass space travel. Like, space boats. Sailing uh, ships. Yes. Sailing ships in space. That shit's my... Ge- like, that is what is a distinctly Jeff's jam thing that has never shown up in the show, and I genuinely want to put a pin to be like, what? what is causing, like, space space boats? Yeah, because we've talked... The space travel we've had is uh, Orcus... And um uh, and like uh like Johnny Orco and like some other like sci-fi episodes. Empress Plasmagore has a flying spaceship castle, but we've never talked about like. But that's like from another world. That was already yeah. from another world. But like people making spaceships, I do want to say I'll ask you here. I'm not. I will put a pin in this. Is space? We said that uh, in our world there are other. There's tons of other planets that have been like made by the five, but fantasy is literally made up of the five. Is space full of untold horrors, or no? Is it like you know? Because our oceans are filled with untold horrors. Is space not that? I think what space is pulling on like what we've established. Space is horrors in a very different way. Space is 
the magical equi- like the equivalent of a prog rock album cover. Oh, okay, cool. Like it is like if you imagine because we've said that like, you know, legendary beings go off to live as constellate like they become constellations in the sky, like beings of immense power. This demon goes off and becomes like a black hole uh, in the in space, like stellar entities. The duelist moon is like a, a cosmic representation of shit is about to go down. The idea that all of these beings of such immense, unimaginable magical power are just like out and about means that it is not so much there are things older than history lurking beneath the surface. It is holy shit. All of all of history is all of history and potential and future and legend and myth and reality are bursting in flame through the space that we are narrowly threading our outer ship sailboat between everything is flashing and stories are weaving around us in real time. That is fucked. Yeah, I'm about that. That is where I will say we should leave the question. Uh, the one note that I want to throw in is like, <laughs> I got to think about like what, like, the, like there's visual elements in my head that I want to like pull on. I got to think about it. Okay. Um, follow up question from Bobcat. Uh, this says in movie voice in a world with constantly rearranging maps and landscape, what does fantasy infrastructure maintenance look like? How do trade workers manage the monsters, mayhem and magic? Is it a great question? Because what what I will say to this is we we kind of touch on this a bit with uh, sea travel. If sea travel is full of untold fucking horrors, we say that that's where adventuring parties like start, right? Like usually it's like we met on a boat, you know, because we needed a balanced party to potentially fight a fucking sea monster. I feel like a lot of times as an adventurer, you can get like freelance work protecting just like travelers or anybody. Like I'm going to visit grandma. She lives, you know, and I got to walk through a forest that's not exactly a beacon of light. I don't know how to brawl. I got to get adventurers to help. I feel like trade workers, it's the same thing. Or can trade workers just throw the fuck down? Uh, we we also talk about this a little bit when we like talk about like the shifting landscape in terms of like there is because we've talked about like craft is magic. We've talked about like making something to such a high degree of excellence is also true. its own form of magic. True, true, true. And we also talk about how like how relationships or relational disrelation relative distances are themselves like a kind of match or like are are a way of grounding things in the like in the shifting landscape and i imagine like trade plays a part in that or like trades work plays a part in that like if you are a if you are a carpenter and you build a bridge over a river and it is like a good sturdy bridge that people cross over for years and then people are going to go, oh, yeah, that bridge. Oh, yeah. Um, Emerald River. There's a there's a bridge like a mile and a half up the road. You just go a mile. You you find the river. You go a mile and a half up the road and there's a bridge there. Like those kinds of things are the things that people are going to like have associations with. And those kinds of associations are going to build a sense of like the sort of story based uh, ah. navigation that is so crucial. And I think yes. like trades people like play a part in that by being like, yeah, I built like a signpost or a lamp post here and people know people know the lamp post and they use it in their directions and to your point like i think like adventurers and like like hiring people and things is like how you get to those places but those play those those things in terms of tradespeople, that has an inherent value in it of i have built something that i can like recognize and spot and it ties me to 
it helps me build the the path to a place in my head. So what I really like about what we're talking about is, like you said, tradespeople making this bridge. If my note about this is mages and wizards in fantasy are a much broader term. Because if we say that passion and creativity and love and story are sort of the building blocks of magic, just life itself is magic and passion and joy and anything can be, tradespeople would be incredibly powerful magic users. Because like, if I put my heart and soul into a bridge, that's a magic fucking bridge that will never fall. You know, it is something that if you walk across it, you'll feel lighter and happier. So tradespeople who their life is dedicated to a craft. We said this before about like tailors, but anything from plumbing to metalwork to welding, it would be like if I'm a welder, right? And I and I seal like a gap in armor and I'm giving my all and I and I care about this person whose armor it's going to protect. I am that little seal is going to like strengthen the armor tenfold. It makes it magic armor. They are some of the most powerful magic users because that's they they're they're basically like artificers, right? All tradespeople then would be in fantasy. You're like adding, you're you're constructing thing, magical objects. If a bridge mm-hmm. can be called an object, I guess. But basically, like structures and things like that. You, yeah, I will say that. That uh, I don't know if they'd need like escorts and things because they'd be strong as shit in terms of their craft. So I feel like, yeah, no, that is how they work in fantasy, where they very much exist, but they are bad motherfuckers if if how our rules of magic apply to them. They're they're strong wizards. Yeah. Um, we'll do one more each, and then we'll go into a verbal hug and wrap up. Let's do it. Last minute question from Grizzbiz. Uh, what is your favorite dinosaur? Just quickly. Favorite dinosaur? Fuck. Um, I love the spitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The spitter from Jurassic Park? That one. I like all the creepy aquatic ones. Mm. The water ones make me uncomfortable. Based on, like, you know, myths of, like, they technically still could be down there if they weren't affected by mass extinction events. You're like, ew. Um, That kind of, I like all the water dinosaurs. They make me very uncomfortable with whatever that phobia is of big, you know, things Mm -hmm. beyond comprehension. Oh, what interesting places slash characters have you loved watching evolve as fantasy has grown up? That's from Gazer. I, my actual answer, and I laugh about this fact, watching the five jeweled crown go from like our beloved our power beloved OCs, our beloved power rangers to a bunch of largely assholes who didn't really know what they were doing and fucked up the world in pretty profound ways that yeah. like required imagining new ways of being pretty satisfying it is deeply satisfying it ties into another question of like if you had the opportunity to start fantasy all over with the growth and experience like would you change anything I don't know that I would because, like, I feel like the joy of, you know, like the joy of deepening these things and the joy of, like, figuring out some of this stuff and, like, like challenging some of our older beliefs of things, like, has been part of what I think has made the show as special as it has is, like, going like, well, we said this, but I don't necessarily agree with it anymore. Yeah. Let's rework it. Like, I think that that is part of what makes the show special. I would have to agree. It's the ability for so many things to change and evolve. The Five Jeweled Crown is a great example where we were like, let's introduce fucking gods of yore that 
were great, but also why aren't they still around? Oh, it's because they fucked up the world. And learning more about them kind of has evolved as the real world has evolved and how we see a lot of things, especially how we see fantasy and how tabletop has evolved and how a certain game company has been really shitty since we conceived this show and their standard that they've set in terms of fantasy and tropes. We were like, let's get rid of all of that. And so I would say the Five Jewel Crown for sure. Yeah, I'm going to vote the Five Jewel Crown. The, seeing that evolve has kind of summed up a lot of our show, especially because the world is much bigger now. Um, originally, like, there were five, basically like five regions, and it was, the you know, the five. The Period the Girl, the Iron Hill, Dragon, um, Geode, and Moon Crescent. That was it. That was, like, the entire world. And since bringing up the Five Jewel Crown, we were like, what about, like, what if there was, like, more that don't fall into that? And they're just five assholes who thought they ruled the world because they had godlike power. You know, that there's more to it than that. Yeah. That has been something that you said once that what if there's people in the world who don't give a shit about anything that's happening in any of those five cities? And I was like, yes, yes. And there was an entire section of the show where we were like, let's not talk about the five regions. That I have loved because it makes revisiting it feel special because it's like, yes, Lore-wise, these cities are important because, like, the hearts of the ley lines beat beneath those regions. <laughs> Whatever. But who give? there's some people who are like, yeah, I just still don't give a fuck about any of that. I'm just out here trying to make my life work. I love that stuff because it feeds into the sarcasm of, like, breaking away from the weird D&D &D imperial violent world's views and killing stuff. And, you know, the only the default slider is like the royal kingdom, like that kind of stuff. I have loved seeing that evolve as the show grew up and as we grew up and as we learned more and as we decided what directions we want to take the show. That's been my shit is seeing that morph. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I have one. Go for it. Gazer again. What do you love most about this world you've made together? It can just be like a, a lore bit as well. Like the I mean, it's 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 something that I think we've talked about before. Maybe, maybe, maybe not like as explicitly, but like there is something beautiful about the fact that like the world as it quote unquote is like the 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 present state of fantasy where like the majority of stories take place. There's something beautiful about the idea that that is a world that is built on kindness, but not, and I, I roll my eyes a little bit at like wholesomeness. Yeah. Yeah. It's not ooh-woo bullshit, but it is based on, you called it once optimistic fantasy. Optimistic fantasy is, yes. And it's the sense that like there is bad shit in the world abound. And a lot of that bad shit is people who have the capacity to protect one another and care for one another and make the world better, not doing that and allowing the world to get worse. Love that. And the core heart of like modern fantasy being imagining a world where those people are removed and we can focus energy on like acknowledging that hurt, but also making a thing better. Yeah. That is a beautiful and powerful thing and that to me is like what is really special about the world that we've built is like there is a real hard-earned hopefulness that i think is really wonderful and that's yeah. kind of where, where where the energy comes from it's i will have to agree it's the optimism part because it's not cutesy like everything's great and like everybody's so nice and wouldn't that be great no it's the idea that there are tons of danger and terrible people 
in the world. The, the, the dangers of fantasy and the, the villains are people. Demons, mm-hmm. yes, but the real threat are the people who use their power and the people who use their any power that they have for greed and evil and being and hurting people and damaging the world. It's a very real concept, of, obviously, but what I more so mean in a fantasy setting where you have the ability to make everything kumbaya, having hope means that there is a sense of perseverance and a sense of working together that the well it's the ability to say that the norm is not to choose the evil way it's to not think solely of yourself fantasy the world we've made is one that's optimistic i think because the default setting is not selfishness and like capitalism it's generally like we care about each other and we want everyone to be happy and have what they need to succeed and be their best and live comfortably and be happy and there are some things that threaten that but there are ordinary ass people from cobblers to sword wielders and mages that fight to provide that for people they don't know and that is something that makes me happy that's something that i like from superhero comics that are People, the thing that I love about superheroes the most is if people were given this power in real life, how few of them would wield it for to protect other people and mm-hmm. guarantee their life and happiness. But it takes people like Superman to be like, no, I could be a god and be worshipped. I'm just going to be Clark Kent and fight for the people's joy in life. Yeah. Fantasy is very similar to Superman. And I know that's something that both of us do add into the show where it's people with tremendous power doing the thing with it that is not what would happen in the real world. And that is what makes it optimistic. Yeah. It's my shit. It's the thing that I love so much about this world because we can create these horrible villains and demons and evil and shadow and dimensions and people wielding evil. But they will always have opposition For people who don't fight for like some people fight for fame, I'm sure, but that wide gamut of people who oppose what we just refer to as evil. And I I love it. It's my favorite thing about the fucking show that even Banana Man is like a hero and does something to help people. It's my favorite thing in the fucking world. The default setting is kindness. Yeah. Ugh. It's it's show fucking rules. Our worlds. Show ribs. God. All right. Is that a wrap? You want to? That's a good. A lot of questions we answered. Whew. I think that's a wrap. Um, quick verbal hug. Uh, well, we've got a question from Ninja Penguin of what's your favorite verbal hug? Mm, fuck. If I could remember them, there's so many. Yeah, honestly, like that's hard. It's tough there. So I have an answer, but it's tough in part because like I can't remember them because so many of them are just like a thing that I feel in the moment. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, my apps, I mean, my favorite is far and away. Smoke more weed and jack off more. Like. <laughs> Taylor LaBrash. <laughs> There's no better than that. No, that is the best verbal hug of all time because it's fucking unhinged. When we were like, you have a verbal hug, uh, Taylor? Taylor's like, yeah, I do. It's uh <laughs> Smoke more weed and jack off. <laughs> um, my favorite verbal hugs are just in general ones that are about um enjoying life because nothing fucking really matters mm-hmm. like you know the podcast yes it matters because it affects me it affects you it affects the listener but to like don't forget to basically what we're saying is like touch fucking grass you know <laughs> in, a, in a manner of speaking and and my favorite along those lines is like we say it's one that we touch on constantly but like take a break yeah 
You deserve it. That. That's put, my favorite. Put shit down. And they're all tied into basically touch grass where it's like, you deserve a break. You work harder than you think you do. You deserve, you deserve, you deserve a break. You deserve joy. You deserve to breathe. Like, stop. Yeah. Don't let the hell dimension that is, you know, for us living in the United States, get to you. We're like, I saw a TikTok that on Instagram, because I do not have TikTok, um, but uh, it was playing video games as a kid where it was, wow, I love this game. I can't wait to play it all day tomorrow and the next day. And it's playing a game in your mid thirties. And it was, wow, I love this game. And then there's a voiceover that says, why aren't you out making money? You're wasting your life. What are you doing? You're wasting your life. Go out and make money. And I've been trying to shake that off lately. But what we are telling you is be like the kid. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy your enjoy shit. Enjoy things. Enjoy it. Sit here. I hope you're on a park motherfucking bench on a commute. I hope you are listening to this episode fucking chilling with a delicious snack or beverage enjoying the weather like ah uh, i hope you are comfortable because that is what life is about is about people it's about love and joy that's fucking it everything else is something you are you know some things facilitate that but at the end of the day my favorite girl hugs and this one as well are take a break enjoy your fucking life you only get to go around once make sure that you do not let it consume you what they meaning businesses want you to do, which is work your life away, give a shit about fashion and trends so that they can sell you shit that you don't need and watch shows that you don't even like. Just enjoy things that you like, hang with people you love, take a breath, enjoy your fucking existence because you're great. You're the shit. I like you because you're listening to the show and you matter. You're amazing. You're what makes this show happen. You're the reason for this podcast. So just know that you are literally, you're, you taking enjoyment and you listening to our show makes the show. So it's like a cyclical, like, you know, feeds into itself machine that keeps me happy, keeps Jeff happy, keeps you happy. So just continue to live your fucking joy. Love it. Oh, God. That's a wrap. God damn it. That's a wrap. Um, I can't wait to do this again next year. And I can't wait to make more stuff. I'm excited. We got a lot more stuff. We got a lot more to come. And here is to seven more years, Jeff. Likewise. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. And with all that said, good night and good game. Hey there, Junior Wizard. For this anniversary episode, I have nothing for you except my gratitude and kisses. Thanks for listening.